you're listening to the Trouble Trouble Podcast, and I'm your host, Seth. I'll be your host for this adventure. Before I get started, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll have all the podcasts delivered right to your app of choice. If you made it to the end and you enjoyed your experience, leave a review. Thank you so much. All right, what album will I be covering today? Today, I am covering the 1975's first album, the 1975. But before I get into that discussion, I have a special guest joining us today. Let's welcome Jess Arcan from Mint Condition, a show on a Canadian radio station 90.9 FM, CJSW in Calgary. Hey, Jess, how are you doing this evening? Good. How are you? Oh, you know, I'm doing all right. I am really excited to talk to you. We've never really like uh, we're not like in-person friends, but we've been friends for a long time. <laughs> yeah, online friends uh, connecting through music. Uh, yeah, I was going to say this is actually so fitting because we met through basically like standing the 1975 together. <laughs> so hard, right? Like they're such a great band and it's funny that like a lot of their themes are about the digital world and connecting online. So yeah, it's totally fitting. I don't remember if we like we went to the same concert or if... We just found the ha- each other through a hashtag, or I don't know. Probably it's been a hashtag. So long. Yeah. yeah. We found each other, but we've been friends since, and it's been so fun getting to know you, and I'm so excited to, to have you on the podcast. Me too. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's go ahead and get into a little bit about your connection to music, because uh, I know that you're a music lover like I am. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your connection to music? Yeah. So music has always had, you know, very powerful and psychological effect for me growing up. It helped me to develop connections, just like you and I. Um, A lot of the friends that I made uh, growing up was through music. Um, So I grew up with my mom playing a lot of like Fleetwood Mac records, my grandma and grandpa dancing around to the Rolling Stones. And then I went through a few years myself just becoming like increasingly isolated, um, but really inspired by a lot of the music that my family listened to. And uh, I kind of decided that if I'm not going to really leave my house all that much and be very social, I'm at least going to go and experience live music once a week. If that's just like the only thing that gets me out there, I'm going to do it. And through that, I met a lot of people in my community. I eventually became a radio programmer um, and involved myself a lot with the local music scene. So I, again, host a radio show, as you said. It's a platform for local musicians and artists who are underrepresented in the music scene in my community. So without that, I wouldn't really be where I am today. That's very cool. I know it's just like so interesting to find out like what people's history are with music and how they sort of like get involved with it. Because like sometimes people will tell you they're not music people. I'm like, what's wrong? Like what happened? (laughs) Yeah, why, why is that the way it is? Because yeah, I feel like because of music, I've been able to connect with people. So... Definitely. It's sort of like a um, like a common language that everyone can connect to, I think. Yeah, and like share their experiences. I think like everybody can refer back to a moment in time where a song was playing and you remember that moment or that experience. So I connect music a lot to different time periods in my life. Yeah, I do that a lot too. Like each album and stuff like that. It's like it reminds me like I can almost like see like the cities like where I fell in love with that album. I don't know. That's really weird. I don't. I don't know. I guess it's not just me, though. (laughs) No. Yeah. It's like a universal experience, I think. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so I know we mentioned your radio show at the top. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about your radio show and what makes it unique. Oh, yeah. Okay. So with my radio show, it does focus on local content. So a lot of Canadian artists. Um, I'm located in Calgary, Alberta. So it's going to be a lot of Calgary artists. Uh, but basically, it's really hard for Canadians to break through in the music industry. We're very like Americanized in many ways and pop culture. So yeah, my, my music program, and especially in community radio, it's about amplifying underrepresented voices and giving them a space to really express themselves. And I'm always focusing on new and upcoming music, a range of genres that's really accessible to the listener. Very cool. And if you're, can, can you listen to it? Oh yeah, you can listen to it if you're not in uh, Calgary, right? Yeah, you can listen to it everywhere on Spotify or cgsw.com. Yes, and I'll I'll get Jess to send me the links and we'll put it down below. So if you're interested in hearing Jess and uh, all of her musical picks, you know, maybe you'll broaden your horizons and you can discover some awesome Canadian music. Yes, there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out of Canada, especially in Montreal. Definitely. Do you play anything like from Montreal or is it just strictly Calgary based? Oh, lots of Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, everywhere, everywhere in Canada. Okay, very cool. I will definitely help to promote that show. It's very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. What is your first memory of music? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. So like I said before, like very influenced by my family and the music that they listen to. And I think the one genre that finally kind of like pushed me into my own music world was emo music. So like My Chemical Romance, American (laughs) Football, The Cure, all that stuff. So I think it was very much like gravitating towards uh, lyric heavy groups, especially as an angsty teen. Yeah, very nostalgic for me. And I think that uh, My Chemical Romance in particular was like, yes, like that's that's my music. This is my genre. My parents don't understand me. <laughs> <laughs> so that was sort of like uh, maybe like one of the first bands you like were like really hardcore into. Yes, I'm totally dating myself right now. But yes. yeah. well trust me like I was there with you for my chemical romance like I was on I don't even remember what the page is called but they would have like all the bootleg recordings of like concerts and stuff like that for my chemical romance and I was you know because they were so fun live so it's like it's really interesting to listen to all those versions and like covers they would do and I don't know yeah I'm with (laughs) you And also a band that was very thematic, right? Like I didn't really have much exposure to that. So I guess like in 2004, when I was a teen, I'm like, wow, like this is very theatrical. Um, very cool. I loved it. So, Which is sort of like the 1975 as well. They're very theatrical and very thematic with their the way they present themselves. Yeah, and very influenced by emo music as well. Like, even though they don't have that signature emo sound, they definitely pull a lot of inspiration. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know Maddie's very much, like, connected to the emo genre. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very emo boy. Very much so. (laughs) Uh, What music are you currently listening to? Okay, so kind of on the opposite spectrum, I've been very into New Wave, particularly Italo Disco. I don't know if you know of a group called The Chromatics and Johnny Jewel, but uh, they run a label called Italians Do It Better alongside Megan Louise, who's from Toronto and in a group called Desire. Got a lot of popularity with the Ryan Gosling film Drive. So oh, <laughs> love yeah. that movie. Oh, yeah. 
Um, very 80s inspired for sure. But uh, I love that like kind of dancier stuff. And they put out a compilation called After Dark 3, which is kind of like a sampler of all of these different groups on the label. So if you need like an access point to some Italian disco, like this is the place to go. This is where you go. Yeah. <laughs> now that does so sound good. really cool. I'm looking forward to checking that out myself because um, I'm always interested when people come on the show and they'll they'll recommend things that I've never heard of. I'm like, all right, well, that sounds cool. I don't know. I have driven through Italy and listened to the radio station, so maybe it'll sound like something <laughs> that I've <laughs> heard before. They just love to have fun. Definitely. All right. So this is the the hard question for you. So if you could only pick one album to take to you, take with you to a deserted island, what would it be? Oh gosh, that's so hard. Oh, I know. You're really gonna only do this one. to me. Only one. Oh geez. Okay. So I think if I could only pick one album, it would be the second album by the 1975, which we're gonna talk about today. But yes, we're gonna talk about that. I'm not even gonna say the, so- the album title because it's so ridiculously long. It is, yeah. I, I'll say it once and we <laughs> and are <we're> done. done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely that record uh, is like a standout in their discography to me, and it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I would, I don't know. I, uh, I guess we can get into this a little bit later, but it's hard for me to pick between the first two because I feel like I just like them so much equally. I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as I love their newer releases as well, there's just something about those two first records that really show their evolution of sound. And yeah, there's a lot of dance tracks on the second album that I just don't get sick of. Yeah. And, and that would definitely be fun. Like if you're on a deserted island, you know, no one's going to be there to judge your dancing. So you can just put the album in and go to town. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me tell you about the records we are covering. Jess chose for us to cover another album from the 1975. I like it when you sleep for you are so beautiful yet so unaware of it. That is definitely a mouthful. <laughs> uh, so we'll start with the first album, the self-titled album 1975. The 1975 is made up of George Daniels on drums. Ross McDonald on bass, Adam Han, 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 I was like, I don't know, <laughs> Close on, on lead guitar, and Maddie Healy, who is the singer, guitar player, uh, everyone and their mom also plays the keyboard in this band as well, so um, it's just like a rotating <laughs> like station in the band. <laughs> When Maddie was 14, he was kicked out of private school for his confrontational attitude, which led to the formation of the band. Their band members all met at their high school in Wilmslow, Cheshire, which is a suburb of Manchester in England. The band started as a cover band and would cover all sorts of punk songs at local all-ages shows. Former band names were Me and You vs. Them, Forever Drawing Six, Talk House, The Slow Down, Big Sleep, and Drive Like I Do, before settling on the 1975. They got the name of the band from a book, actually. Maddie explained, quote, In the back, there were all these mental scribblings. It was almost suicidal, and it was dated at the bottom, 1st June, the 1975. The use of the word the really stuck with me. It was the perfect band name, end quote. 
As they matured, so did their goal with the band. They started making original music. During the recording process for this album, they put out a series of EPs, the first of which is their Face Down EP in August 2012. That same month, their lead single, The City, was played on BBC One radio show, BBC Introducing with Hugh Stevens. Later in the year, they released their self-titled EP on November 19th, 2012. BBC Radio One DJ Zane Lowe pushed their first single off that EP called Sex. At this point, the band started touring and garnered lots of attention from their energetic live shows and unique stage shows. In March of 2013, they released their third EP, Music for Cars. The big hit on this EP was their single, Chocolate. This is where the band really started taking off. Then, in May 2013, they released their fourth EP called Four, but it's written in Roman numerals. This EP had a new version of The City on it. After all these releases, the band hit the road and began touring nonstop. They opened for bands like Muse, The Neighborhood, and The Rolling Stones, which led up to the Reading and Leeds Festival in 2013. The self-titled album was released on September 2nd, 2013, and was co-produced by Mikey Crossy, who had worked with the Arctic Monkeys and Foles. The album was released on Polydor and Dirty Hit the later of which released their first four EPs on their own. About a week before the release of the album, the band released their brand new single, Sex. The band had reworked a lot of songs from the first four EPs and included them in their debut album after finding their sound. In an interview, Maddie said, quote, This recording process has been really fun, as we've had a lot of these songs for a while. And to record them in a completely different mindset with a completely different outlook has been really interesting. The album isn't a habdashery of past singles and old stuff. It has been focused down into a collective piece of work. There's tracks on there that people would have heard live and older tracks that we've reworked. This album is a soundtrack to our formative years, so it would be dishonest not to put songs on there that we wrote when we were 21, as we want people to connect to it in the same way that we do, end quote. The album debuted at number one in the band's homeland of the United Kingdom. However, here in America, the album peaked at number 28 on the Billboard Top 100. That being said, the album has gone platinum here in America and double platinum in the UK. Maddie Healy picked up music when his dad's best friend died and left him two guitars. Sonically, this band is inspired by 80s pop acts Peter Gabriel, Tears for Fears, and The Blue Nile, while lyrically were quite morose and self-depreciating, says Maddie. The band has described their aesthetic as wanting to make music that could soundtrack an 80s Rat Pack movie. (laughs) All right, so that's enough of me rambling. We're going to talk about this album a little bit, and I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you remember the first song or memory you have of the 1975? Yeah, so I think with their debut album, it kind of launched this Tumblr girl um, online aesthetic that became very popular (laughs) in 2014. So I think it's one of those weird situations where my first introduction wasn't really a song, but it was like a song lyric text over top of a black and white photo. And then you have to check out the song. So I think it was Sex, which was the first one. 
Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a weird thing where like you don't hear the music, you just see it online. And I think that was one of the first bands for me that did that. Right. And, and that's kind of a little bit what we were talking about earlier is their aesthetic. They The front of their album is basically just um, like a light up frame, a, a rectangle box. It's really interesting. And they have really like branded themselves in a way where it's like, you know, this is the 1975, like, you know, you know, this is kind of the vibe of the music, this sort of like a visual representation representation of what you're feeling. So it's really interesting. Yeah, and I remember the song too, like Sex and a few other ones on the album, because I feel a lot of the lyrics are very stylistically similar. But as a person who loved emo music growing up, and pop punk, it was very much about blaming women for the destruction of the relationship, and kind of targeting them as, yeah, this villain. And this was one of the bands where I saw that happening because Maddie Healy is kind of toxic, but he could also recognize his own flaws and his own perspectives that were kind of toxic to the relationship as well. So it was nice to kind of get that dual perspective. And I really identified with the album right away. Yeah, definitely. He's more like, I feel like he tries to look at it from both sides. So he's like, you can hear his frustration, but at the same time, he's like, well, maybe, like, what did I do as well? Exactly. It's like, maybe drinking too much, maybe smoking too much didn't help. <laughs> yeah, slash whatever else was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever else was going on. How about you? Do you remember, like, a song that stood out to you? Oh, man, I feel like I probably came in with Chocolate when that was on... Um on uh the music video was on tv i, I don't i want to say mtv but who knows if they even <laughs> played that anymore I think so yeah for sure okay uh because i just remember like that opening riff the guitar riff is just so captivating and it was just really like so interesting to me and you know normally i feel like this is at, at like this is back when like in 2013 or 12 or whatever when it was first coming out and uh i just remember like this typically not the type of music because i was like this is like the music for the kids or something. I just felt like I was too old to be listening to this band. And like when I go yeah. to concerts, I also feel like too old to be going to see the band. Oh my God, same. Yeah. It's but very, it's just so good. It's, it's so good. It's so catchy. And I think it's really relatable. And there's this sense of nostalgia with their song lyrics that, you know, I guess teens really identified with, but also for the older demographic, it's like, yes, I can remember being a teen and that was exactly how I felt. Definitely. I was just like, I don't know. I would just, I, I think the first time I went with them, I went at, in Seattle. I had flown out to Seattle. I didn't quite live there yet. And I went with my cousin and her friend who had, I think she was like, 15 or something and like somehow I got stuck with hanging out with this 15 year old girl and <laughs> I was just like this is weird and I, there's too many kids around me <laughs> just like oh, she was gosh. like I want to go up to the front or whatever you know like and I was just like I don't know like there's too many youngins over here <laughs> that's so funny because I didn't have that experience when they first came out because I know they were pretty big in the UK getting a little bit of recognition in the US, but in Canada, they were still like not on anybody's radar, very small. So when they would come through Canada, it was like the diviest of bars that you could think of. A few kids trying to sneak in with a fake ID, but otherwise <laughs> a lot of adults. It wasn't until later on in their career when they became a stadium band that that was 
when I started thinking about my age, but originally <laughs> it was 18 plus shows, which was glorious and a nice atmosphere. See, I'm really jealous of that. I wish like that's totally I mean, I don't mind if it's like a bigger crowd, but it was it's just would have been nice to, <laughs> to not <laughs> be there with like the high school kids. <laughs> well, especially some of the content that they talk about this, like that they talk about on this album, like when you think about money and the repeated references to cocaine and everything else. I mean, teens are going through it. They're experiencing it and it needs to be more transparent, I guess, like drugs, alcohol, sex, all those things. But you also think about the demographic that it's targeting. So yeah, definitely a lot of younger uh, audience, definitely for sure. What kind? What genre would you put the 1975 in? Oh, they're so hard to categorize. I, I feel like their sound definitely evolved over the span of their career. But for the first album, um, definitely more indie rock. Not so much like maybe some of the EPs were experimental and electronic, but as like trying to make it as a breakthrough band, they definitely relied on the sound of 2014, which was like Arctic Monkeys what other indie bands like the strokes you know like bands that were within the mid 2000s late 2000s so totally and i hear people a lot they say um that the 1975 is dream pop yeah i could hear yeah definitely with some of the electronic tracks more dream pop 80s new wave for sure definitely i i always think it's interesting um when on on the podcast i talk about oh genres like but it, it's just interesting to I mean, we don't have to, I mean, just based on this conversation, you can tell like genre is so limiting, (laughs) you know, so limiting. You can't, it's too hard to classify because I think you could relate to this, that you love so many different genres. And as an artist, you kind of want to hit all of these touch points of, you know, bands that you're inspired by and that you enjoy. Totally. Uh, What are some of the themes on the album that you picked up on? Okay. So I think... (laughs) I think a lot of the themes are about uh, Maddie Healy and um, getting wrapped up in your parents being famous, for one. Like, he's very much struggling with being a public image, yet not yet being quite at the level that his parents are at. And it's kind of like the deterioration of his mental state, which is kind of explored later on as well. But I think, you know, your mental state combined with toxic relationships and how that kind of intersects and affects the way you treat people. Definitely. Of course, mixed in with a little bit of teen angst. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, girls, lots of girls. (laughs) Lots of girls, lots of drugs. I think like when you have everything at your fingertips, you're just over consuming. Definitely, definitely. Because, you know, and Maddie's never been... um, shy about talking about his drug use either and you know uh it's i think it's for him it's sort of been like a roller coaster battle (laughs) did he go get sober or did he just drink only i don't know i feel like he did something like to improve himself (laughs) after the first couple albums yeah so actually the girl that's in the music video for the city was his girlfriend at the time so if you're ever watching that you can kind of see his love interest who a lot of these songs are about um and she was a famous model in the uk so a lot of the songs were about i think he's very narcissist very (laughs) narcissistic very egocentrical so he was probably thinking like you know, why am I not as famous as these people? I'm very artistic. It's that struggle of like a female being in a position of power and him wanting to measure up to that and being self-destructive in the process a lot of the time. Yeah, there's a lot of that throughout 
all the albums that they put out really a lot of him struggling with like i don't know i feel like he really tries to push like i'm this big creative artiste like type person and i think you know it, it you know with this uh second album we're about to talk to like it's kind of like the transition between uh, what the the reason why we fell in love with the nineteen five into Maddie trying to push it into almost like a different direction a little bit because I know also originally didn't Maddie say there would only be three nineteen seventy five albums yeah and I don't know if that meant that he wanted to change the name of the band and create a whole new concept or if that just meant the nineteen seventy five was going to be very short lived but yeah there were definitely a lot of changes and I think as he writes a lot about his own personal life and his experiences, and he's very vulnerable in his songwriting. So I think as things happen to him along the way, he was like, okay, well, now I need to make an album about this. And there are things that are going on in the world. Let's put my focus on that rather than just focusing on my relationship. Yeah, totally. And the third album, I, you know, just briefly, I, I, I did enjoy the third album, but the fourth album kind of lost me a little bit. This most recent one. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. I think... It shows how they have a lot of big ideas, and <laughs> he's a very forward thinker. Yes. Um, he's very innovative, but sometimes his ideas are not executed in the way they should be, and I think that also comes through on his social media when he's talking about these really big topics that are going on in the world, and he can't always articulate the way he's feeling, or sometimes it's problematic. You know, his he wants women to express themselves, yet he's very oppressive when they have a belief that doesn't correspond with his. Very much. Yeah, a lot. I I can't tell you how many articles I came across while researching that were just like about Maddie talking about how he can't just be on the internet saying whatever he wants anymore. (laughs) Yeah, just realized that he kind of comes off as uh, a kind of what you were saying, like rude, abrasive, uh, talking down to pretentious. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I almost see that with this new album because it's so long and there's so many ideas that he wants to explore, but maybe it's not executed in the best way. Yeah, I think, what do you know, was he the producer? I think he was the producer for the fourth album, right, Maddie? Yes. Because I feel like he just had too much free run. Like, I think he could really do with a different with an actual producer helping him to guide his uh, ideas into a more focused direction yeah and that's the funny thing about this band is you don't hear very often a band who gets rejected across the board by every label that you could think of and then they're like okay i'm gonna start my own label and i'm gonna release my own music and do whatever i want even though there are probably areas of improvement (laughs) that they might need Totally, totally. Still love them, though. Ride or die for them, but... Oh, yeah, same. (laughs) I was like, I'm just hoping for whatever album, if it's 1975 or something new, whatever happens next, please be better. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the second album here. This is the one that Jess chose. Uh, It's called, again, I like it when you sleep, for you are so beautiful, yet so unaware of it. This album was also released through Polydor and Dirty Hit and hit the shelves on February 26th, 2016. Maddie has always been cryptic about new music and each album is sort of a different era. In 2014, frontman Maddie Healy released a series of cryptic tweets containing lyrics from the album, revealing its title the following year. 
The way they announced the title happened in September 2015 by deleting their social media accounts. That action led the fan base thinking the band broke up. I know that's what I thought. (laughs) They were virtually unknown and got so famous with the release of their first album. By the time their second album was released, their audience had grown even more. I mean, the album was number one in America and again in the UK too. When the accounts were restored, we saw the new aesthetic that had changed from black and white to bright neon pink and white. A fun way they promoted the album was that for each song on the album, a pink neon sign was created and put against various locations to create nostalgia for the song, but also to uh, detail the thematic material and complexity of each song through the photo's atmosphere. Burgess Johnson worked closely with Healy to help with the placement of these signs. The locations of these signs actually hold personal meaning to Maddie, although we don't really know what those meanings are (laughs) for the fans. Uh, This album really pushed the band's success to the forefront. This album topped lists of best albums of 2016 for publications such as Alternative Press, Billboard, NME, NPR, Rolling Stone, Spin, and so many more. So, this is a queer podcast, so we have to discuss the song Loving Someone. The stage show for this song was always so cool. There were rainbow lasers and lights everywhere. Maddie is definitely an ally to the LGBTQ community. Quote, my mom's crew was kind of the gay Illuminati of the Groucho Club, Healy began. I'd slept in the bar there more times than I can remember by the time I was 15. The first time I noticed a sexy kiss in real life was between two guys. They were my mom's mates who were dancers in a show, end quote. Later in that interview, Maddie said, quote, When I look back, these are really formative experiences for people because it's what you identify as normal. That's why I think there is my whatever it is activism end quote so just two years ago in 2018 the band quietly donated to an online fundraiser to open london's only lgbtq community center maddie healy kept it short and sweet he said quote i'm a bit wary of talking about it because i don't want to appear to be virtue signaling but me and the others in the band all felt it was obviously a good thing to put our money towards, end quote. Describing his own sexuality, Maddie said, quote, I tend not to talk about my sexuality that explicitly because I don't really have to and all of the things are sub- subject to change. Then sexuality gets changed for me because I would and have kissed beautiful men, but I don't want to fuck them. <laughs> it stops for me when it comes to sex end quote so perhaps maddie is a part of our queer community depending on how you look at it people have always speculated about his sexuality and like he said it's really none of our business in me and you together song off his latest release notes on a conditional form he sings quote i'm sorry that i'm kind of queer it's not as weird as it appears it's because my body doesn't stop me Oh, it's okay. A lot of people think I'm gay, but we're friends, so it's cool. Why would it not be? End quote. 
But back to their second album, And Loving Someone. In that song, Maddie furthermore discusses heteronormativity. He sings, quote, My heart is telling me the telly isn't telling me anything I need, but it needs to keep selling me. Besides celebrities lacking in integrity, holding up the status quo instead of showing the kids that they matter, who are they going to batter next? Just keep holding their necks and keep selling them sex. It's better if we keep them perplexed. It's better if we make them want the opposite sex, end quote. And I always just really like that that quote. Don't It just really just like kind of brings that idea to probably a lot of people that don't even think about the heteronormativity of the world. Yeah, and how oppressive it is and how it kind of sneaks its way into every kind of facet of our life. And I think that's why a huge theme on that album is consumer culture um, and how a lot of the media, the influences that we have in our life are really keeping us like quiet. And that song in particular was kind of the first time that uh, Maddie in the 1975 were talking about uh, social issues and using their platform to voice something more serious rather than just you have a boyfriend anyway this girl doesn't love me you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> because also in 2016 right before or you know around the time of this record being released I should say uh, is when uh in America here, uh, Donald Trump became quote unquote president. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. So, you know, in addition to all of the LGBTQ, uh, you know, ally and activism, you know, he was really like spreading the message about like loving each other, lo- you, you know, loving someone, you know, and, and I think it was just really, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting that someone that's from the UK is just so involved in America and and really trying to bring great ideas to the young, like the young people. Really, you know, like I said earlier, it's a lot of the crowd is younger there, and and you know, the, uh, the, I think the way people get in touch with their politic political beliefs and stuff like that is through their parents. So to have maybe like maybe Maddie's a voice of reason, depending who your parents are. <laughs> so I just think that was like, I, I don't know. I, I always really admired Maddie for his being outspoken for political and for um, equality issues. Yeah. And also the literary references that he drops in his songs, because it's kind of like I, people see it as pretentious, but at the same time, he does have a younger demographic. And when you name drop somebody like Guy Debord in a song like Loving Someone, uh, teens really hold on to his every word. And they're going to go research who that is, what is the spectacle, and kind of pursue um, some like educational uh, literature that will help kind of open their eyes into what Donald Trump does and what the mass media is doing. And it's not just about what Maddie is preaching, but also a reference to people that he got his ideas from. Totally. He definitely shows uh, his influences a lot (laughs) on these albums. And, um, you know, even, uh, you know, to further commentate on the the youth culture, you know, the lead single off this album was Love Me. And so that's very much an album that's like, oh, look, you know, like I'm so famous and this is like, you know, I have to post pictures of myself and look a certain way and, you know, do all these things. So I thought that was interesting, an interesting conversation. uh, commentary for to give to the younger kids that'd be like you know this isn't everything in the world <laughs> yeah there's more uh to life than just 
idolizing celebrities, right? And they don't always have the roadmap to tell us the best things to do or the, the best ways to live our life. They have other oppressive uh, social hierarchies that are influencing their decisions. And you kind of have to be an advocate for yourself. Totally. And, and he also started wearing um, like eyeliner and makeup a lot more on the second album, you know, to further, you know, uh, exemplify that, you know, uh, gender identity and uh, sexuality and how, uh, you know, how, you know, this is the heteronormativity. This is, you know, boys like girls and like all this stuff that they hammer into our minds at a young age. It re- I think it really challenged and spit in the face of like that, that gender norm type thing. Totally. And also a lot of exploration of religion. Like If I Believe You was a standout to me on the album, one of my favorites. Um, because he does talk a lot about being like uh, an atheist and not having much of a religious outlook on life. Yet, on that song, there are certain lines that are like, if I'm lost, then how can I find myself? It's like he kind of wants to believe in something more. And I think we all kind of feel that to an extent. Like, yeah, I can say I'm an, I'm an atheist, but then things look so bleak and I'm confused and I've kind of lost my head and I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. So yeah, it's like every song kind of references this confusion that we feel at some point in our lives and uh, how we're navigating that, I guess. Yeah, I, ha- I just have to mention that uh, a particular favorite of mine off this album is Paris. I really like that song. I think, it, would you say that that song is a, a fan favorite? Oh, for sure. Like, I think, um, especially that line about, like, us all being the same. Like, hey, kids, we're all just the same. What a shame. Is like, kind of encapsulates the whole album, right? <laughs> totally. And I have to just admit what a, a huge dork I am for the 1975 is because I, I went on a trip in 2019 and one of the stops was in Paris and I played this song so many times. <laughs> it's the perfect soundtrack to, to a trip it to is. Paris. It was the perfect soundtrack. And then I came back and I actually had, I think it was like the next week or it was within one week. I had tickets to see them in concert of getting back to America and they played Paris at the show. And I was like, Oh, my whole life is complete. This is the best oh, thing ever. Yeah, and it brought you back to your trip probably too. It brought me back to my trip, but I was just like, oh my God. Like, cause that's, I feel like they don't always play Paris. So no. I just felt really lucky that it's like somehow I was vibing <laughs> out. <laughs> just like Maddie heard it. He's like, I think we need to play Paris tonight. Oh, that's so sweet. I love that. Yes. What, what, what other songs are you really into off this album? Um, so I also love Paris. I really enjoy... Uh, a change of heart because I feel like it's one of those songs that are it's near the beginning of the album and it's one of the first songs that other than the opening track the 1975 which they always start their albums off the same way Um, but this song in particular kind of had little easter eggs where it referenced other song titles um, other songs on the record so it was kind of nice to have a song where if you're a super fan, you could kind of hear certain things from the past, but it's almost reinvented in a new way that was relevant to where he was in his life now, if that makes sense. Totally. And I just, I don't know, I love the lyrics of that album so much. And the music video also is just like so iconic. You know, it's like, isn't that's is that the one with the... um. I might be mixing this up with um somebody else. But is that the one with the clowns? Yeah, that's the one. Change of heart. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. I'm like, didn't want to like embarrass myself. <laughs> no, you got it right. Uh, 
<laughs> I, it's just really, and it was all black and white. And it was just really interesting because it seemed like it could have been silly, but it really like did, I think, present the um the meaning and like the the feel of the song yeah and that's kind of you know maddie's humor is he's very like self-deprecating um tries to find the humor in a lot of his life situations you know and reflect that into his art so yeah i think like my favorite line from that song is like i didn't find love in the city i just sat in self-pity and cried in the car which is like in reference to the first album going to a city wanting to find love being in the car for chocolate the music videos them in a car having fun with their friends and then the mood of this album changed a lot because he's kind of forced to grow up and realize this relationship is not what he expected it to be and he's just in a different place in his life you know yeah totally i loved all those references too it's like if you want to find love you know where the city is and then uh you know in this song he has a change of heart yep so I, I did like the way that he he tied those together quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, so definitely like although it's not one of the more dancier ones on the album, I think it yeah, it kind of kind of got me hooked a bit lyrically. Yeah, there, there's just so many good ones, you know, Love Me, Somebody Else. I mean, She's American. I really like that one a That's lot. That's a good one. Yeah, She's American. It's very humorous, very funny. It's so catchy the the verse and and it's just i don't know i i like that song a lot because it is very like uh the if you listen to the lyrics it's a sort of deaf uh, a tongue-in-cheek uh message that he's saying yeah and you know it's a band that kind of toured all over the world you know a lot in the states and it's funny that this record came off um i don't know if you heard in the media at the time when this album was coming out but he had a breakdown on stage um i believe yeah, I did read a little bit about that. I was, <laughs> do you want to talk about what happened a little bit? Yeah, and I, I don't really know what inspired the breakdown. I think, you know, when comparing the first album to this one, uh, he was drinking a bottle of wine on stage every night. It was very much about the image and the aesthetic of being a sad boy going through problems, not knowing how to deal with them, and uh, very much about like the idea and the concept of the record. Um, whereas the second record was more about, okay, how do I get away from that? And I'm like an actual person. Like, I'm not just this famous person on stage here to perform for you. Like I actually have feelings and I care about my health and how am I going to project that now? Right. And, and also too, with all the messages he was, uh, putting out on, you know, in between songs on stage and the, uh, you know, I think it was really kind of, uh, brave of him to use the, the rainbow lights and stuff when doing loving someone, because I don't know that that song was necessarily had to be about being gay or anything like that, but it, it really like took on a, a different meaning i don't know if that's how he meant it to be when he was writing the song or if that was an afterthought or or what but he really did push that song as sort of like a gay anthem and i i don't know i love i always loved it because it was always rainbow but there would always be like different designs like each tour yeah because i think like the messaging is very interconnected in a way because the overarching broad theme of the song is about how we're increasingly becoming disconnected from each other, seeing the humanity in people. And that separates, um, especially like, uh, you know, when you were talking about heteronormative uh, values and um, oppression, you know, the whole cause of that is because we don't see the humanity in people and that they're going through their own experiences. So I think it's kind of like the all overarching connected theme. Totally. And and I was going to ask what themes did you pick up on this album, but I feel like we've kind of 
been talking about that, you know, there's definitely like the coping with fame, uh, the drug usage, integrity, you know, a lot of like, am I doing what's right? What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> Humanity. You know, we're all human. That's, I think, the big uh, message of the album. Definitely. So normally in the podcast, we talk a lot about lyrics more. Um, however, I have a different sort of direction for this podcast. While, while researching this album, I found an article called 10 Maddie Healy Lyrics Every 1975 Fan Knows by Heart. So oh, no. I thought that I would have a little quiz here to see, uh, you know, how many of you people listening can get the lyrics, but also for our guest, Jess, to see if she can tell me the songs that these lyrics oh, are from. I'm horrible at this because I'm put on the spot. But I'm going to do my best. <laughs> yeah, I did put her on the spot. I was like, should I tell her? And I was like, this is going to be more fun <laughs> if she just gets it. put on the spot. <laughs> All right. So we'll see. Well, you, you people listening can keep score and... and or it doesn't even matter, but whatever. So here are the lyrics. Uh, you got something to say. Why don't you speak it out loud instead of living in your head? Heart out. Debut album. There you go. Yep. First album we talked about. <laughs> A lot of these are the first two albums, but there are some off the more recent albums. Okay. Uh, you got a beautiful face, but got nothing to say. Oh my God. It's on. I love me. Yeah, okay. like, my tongue. It's so hard. I'm trying to like sing the melody in my head as you say it. And see, I'm trying not to sing the melody <laughs> as I say the lyrics to you. <laughs> All right, so we got our next one. This one might be challenging. We'll see. Well, criminals and liars keep him in your cell as a privilege of mine. Well, I love the house that we live in. I love you all too much. Uh, that's a hard one. This is definitely a deep, a deep cut, cut track. <laughs> is it Antichrist? It Antichrist, is. The one song that fans just really want to hear live. I've never heard that song live. I don't think it'll ever happen. Maybe it did happen once. Yeah, I can't say that I've ever heard that one either myself. It's too vulnerable. It's too vulnerable. Too many uh, sad boy vibes. <laughs> even for the 1975. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Next one. You're so conceited. I said I love you. What does it matter if I lied to you? Uh, the sound. Yep. Sound, yep. Man, you're doing good. You got a perfect record so far. Okay. Like, no pressure, but you're. I'm really, I'm really happy. <laughs> All right, next one. Thank you, Kanye. Very cool. One of my fa favorite lyrics <laughs> ever. Um, love it if we made it. Iconic song. Yeah, this wasn't this year. This is off of. Um, was this the third or the fourth? Yeah, uh, the on uh, online brief inquiry or brief inquiry to online relationships. God, another long title. <laughs> They're too long. It's testing my Be memorization like, skills. <laughs> we need y'all to calm down. <laughs> Just relax. Yeah, this I do like this one though. The love it if we made it. That one I think was like. Uh, it took a little bit to grow on me personally. Yeah, and it's hard to make out some of the lyrics, but then when you actually go and look into it, <laughs> you're like, oh, such a great written song. So good. This accent, though, can just kind of distort the message a little bit. A little, little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got another one for you. Get someone you love, get someone you need. Fuck that, get money. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. I can't give you my soul. <laughs> Because we never, because we're never alone. I was going to ask if we're allowed to swear on the podcast, because... I'll bleep it out <laughs> if it happens. 
I've been trying so hard this whole time not to swear. It's been. <laughs> I appreciate it for my editing. <laughs> uh, but somebody else, fuck that, get money. Yes. <laughs> That's like the most fun line to like scream oh, out loud at a concert anytime i'll just be walking down the street saying fuck that get money yeah <laughs> now you'll have some editing <laughs> i know i'm gonna uh, it's fine <laughs> but i i to further add to my editing but it's like you know also too like when i'm feeling like down for whatever reason if it's like friends or over like a boy that i like that doesn't like me back whatever I'm like I, I feel like oftentimes like i get to the point in the night where i'm just like that get money like <laughs> screw them like we got to focus on me you know yeah. like we you know that sort of thing so it's a it's a single single independent anthem it really is i love that <laughs> i love that line all right to move on i don't want to be your friend i want to kiss your neck oh falling for you another big big fan favorite yes oh that's like what literally made maddie a dream boat for all the girls around the world totally yeah and me (laughs) (laughs) all girls non-binary folk we all love maddie healy yeah (laughs) i i and this line is also equally fun to scream at concerts (laughs) yeah i just want to kiss your neck (laughs) Yeah, using some of those EP, like, more deeper cut ones in their live set, I hope they never get rid of that, because those songs were iconic. Absolutely. All right, we got a few more lyrics to get through here. And I don't fall in love with the moment and think you're in love with the girl. I think this is one where I'll, I'll, I won't get it. It's off. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's off the second album, if that helps. No. Okay. For some reason, it's just not. This is where I, I uh, crash and burn. This one was from She's American. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was like I was like, we'll try and remind we we, we talked I was we talked about the song earlier. <laughs> oh. Um all right, next. If we're gonna do anything, we might as well just fuck. She's got a girlfriend or boyfriend anyway. Yeah. We're sex. talking about sex. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about sex. Yes. Oh, that's such a good one. All right. Last one. This is probably going to be very easy. So don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) As I'm literally sweating. (gasps) What's going to happen? With my 1975 knowledge. You've only missed one. And I don't think you're going to miss the last one. So that's a really good score. Um, All right. Now everybody's dead and they're driving past my old school and he's got his gun and he's got his suit on. She says, babe, you look so cool. So cool. Uh, robbers. Now everybody's He's dead. dead. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Love Just, it. Iconic. Had to scream that. You know what? Okay. I don't know if we need to talk about this, but I want to. <laughs> but I always want to hear Maddie scream that line and he never does it live. Really? I have seen him i don't three or four times and i he never has said that line he always lets the audience scream it interesting yeah i feel like the first time i saw him he definitely screamed it but yeah (sighs) i guess like as you know once you're a big band and you're in a stadium you just you don't need to do that anymore i guess (laughs) he's like i don't need to damage my vocal cords the crowd can do it it's fine yeah because people do yell that line oh yeah 
It's very loud and very distinct in the concerts. Yeah, I'm just happy he doesn't pull up a girl on stage for that song anymore. Oh yeah, you're talking about that. We can talk, get into that a little bit. Um, and it, was this on um, just when he was touring the first album, or it, did it go on into the second album cycle? It was just the first album. Uh, he, I think it started when one fan who was underage made a sign saying, "Like Maddie, would you be my first kiss?" And he, <laughs> which like <laughs> sweet sentiment. What a story to tell for the ages. Um, but he did pull her up on stage for the song Kissed Her and it became like a reoccurring thing at like every concert they would reenact the music video to Robbers which is very like Bonnie and Clyde like a tumultuous relationship yeah so apparently that was one of uh, the causes of the end of his relationship with that girlfriend who's in the music video for the city and uh, I find it funny that in a change of heart one of the lyrics is you're full of diseases your eyes were full of regret I almost picture like <laughs> it was because he was kissing all of these girls and like she was not into it you know which is understandable i mean it's not like he had to do that <laughs> every show yeah exactly like maybe if it had been that one show and then it was over then that would have been okay but it was like something <laughs> he just wanted to kiss other girls it seems like yeah it, yeah it was all about the image for that first album like being a teen heartthrob you know and then i think eventually he kind of got over it i mean we all have our ego moments and he still has that throughout the other records, but I don't think it was as strong as that first album with newfound fame. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it can get to your head a lot, especially with someone like Maddie, who's very much like strongly believes in his artistic direction and, and aesthetic and things like that. Like it's just so easy. And to live that rock star life with the wine and the drug usage and all that sort of stuff. It's like, you know, what is it's i don't know maybe i'm making this up but didn't people say like uh rock stars aren't role models so it's like they're people they kind of are role models people look up to them but they're also human and flawed like we are yeah and like have literally the world at their fingertips you know look at justin bieber yeah i i, th- I feel like he's sort of normal now but it, he's it, getting there yeah he he went through quite a wild period of <laughs> time one of your canadian right? um your canadian uh brethren <laughs> yes always the first example i could think of is the beebs the beebs i know or um avril lavigne she went kind of crazy for a hot second there yeah I, yeah there was like a period of time where everybody thought she was like dead and then avril lavigne it was actually like a stand-in model they yeah. thought which was the weirdest thing wasn't her name like stephanie the stand-in <laughs> i think her i don't know i love that i don't know i love avril lavigne though <laughs> Yeah, why do things have to be so complicated? I ask myself that literally every day. (laughs) (laughs) But um, but yeah, so that's kind of the first couple albums for the 1975. Uh, We last episode was all Beatles. This week's all 1975. So it's it's kind of fun to do like you know a couple albums in one episode. So thanks for picking uh, the second one because I I did want to talk about that one too. Oh, it was so much fun. And yeah, I like I feel like I've spent majority of my teen years analyzing these albums like a dork. So here we go. I'm glad it came out of something good. You know, like I could use these skills now. It's useful information. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Before we do dip out, I was just wondering if you wanted to promote anything uh, or your social medias. Where can people find you? All that good stuff. Yeah, uh, so for my show, uh, Mint Condition, you can find it on cjsw.com 
or on Spotify by searching Mint Condition. I also have an Instagram page, uh, Mint Condition underscore CJSW, or my own personal one, Jess Arcand. Pretty easy to find. You, you can say hi. Yeah, if you're a, if you're listening to this because you're a rabid 1975 fan, you should definitely go add add uh, Jess, and we can all just have our own little group, you know, going on. I would love that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Jess. Thank you for having me. And please listen to this podcast because it's a great one. I know I listen to it every week. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's really nice to hear. I. Uh, no, this is still like a new podcast and it's growing, but the people that do talk to me just make me feel like I should keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, like you learn so much about music, right? Everybody has their own perspective and it's really cool, like you said, to hear how people connect to music. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. This has been another episode of the Treble Treble podcast. The theme music you heard at the top of the show was made by me. The logo was illustrated and designed by the amazingly talented queer artist, Will Jameson. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter, at the Will Jameson. This is an indie podcast, which means no commercials, at least for now. It also means that I can't use the clips from the album we discussed because my lawyers have advised against it. Copyright laws, am I right? The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe, tell a friend, and leaving a review. It really helps other music fans find this show. If you're a fan of RuPaul's Drag Race, feel free to listen to my other podcast, Thanks for Coming, a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast. I record that show with two of my best friends, Jamal and Stoney. You can find us at TFC Pod on Instagram and Twitter. That's all I've got for you now. If you made it through the whole podcast, you rock. I'll see you at the next show in two weeks. Be there. With that, I'll see you next time at the show. And before I sign off, I would like to, of course, extend the invitation to Maddie Healy to come on the show. I'd love to interview you. Pick your brains a little bit. Signing off, I'm your host, Seth. Rock on, young savior. Don't give up your hopes.